Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. This is News Talk. Welcome along to this week's Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, I'll take you inside Amazon's Irish Fulfillment Centre to hear what goes into processing and packing deliveries. John Riley has his annual gaming gift guide and will ask if it's time we ditched our private vehicles. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. But I want to start with Amazon because earlier this year, the company opened its first fulfillment center in Baldonnel in Dublin. Now, I'm sure you've read or heard stories about Amazon facilities in other parts of the world. I know I certainly had, which is why I was eager to go out and see the Irish one for myself. I set out on Wednesday afternoon to the huge facility just off the Nace Road to meet with the team. Hi Jess, uh, I'm Dara Kelly. I'm the general manager for Amazon's first fulfillment centre here in Dublin in Ireland. So I've just arrived and I know because me being me, I went to the wrong entrance and I walked around the facility and it's huge. Before we talk through the nitty gritty of what goes on, what is a fulfillment centre? Yeah, great question. So essentially this is the building where we house all the wonderful products that our customers can order each day. So we bring our products in from multiple different sources, we store them here, and then we pack and ship them out to our customers. So it's a large warehouse that covers all those aspects of fulfilling your order. Ireland's a really important market for what Amazon does and Northern Ireland. And you're right, it's about speed and supporting our customers. So over the next number of months, some of your customer orders will come from here, some will come from other areas outside of the, the Dublin site as well, but it's about speed and supporting our customers with that aspect. The model that, that Amazon uses really is how can we place some of our available items closer to your home? So I think in the background, our systems just look at maybe previous buying patterns, what we think customers would like to purchase, and if we have the opportunity then to store that locally here in this particular fulfillment center, it means that if you order it, you will get it quicker to your home. So there's a number of aspects to it, but ultimately it's about trying to understand what the consumer will wish to purchase in the future and have it here in advance. Is it a sign of Ireland's uh, reliance and use of Amazon that the fulfillment centre was opened? You know, I assume they didn't just do this for the crack. There was a key business purpose to it. Yeah, I think any decision to invest um, in a substantial building like this is made a number of years in advance. So while the building was built out over the last 18 months, those decisions would be made a number of years ago. And again, it's just back to the, the presence and the level of customers and, and, um, and sales that we have in Ireland is just supporting that even further. As I said at the top, it's a huge facility. Give me an idea of the scale and the number of people working here. Yes, it's, it's quite large. It's um, one of the biggest um, warehouse developments to be opened in the past 24 months in Ireland. And currently it's approximately 680,000 square feet. Um, in some terms, that's nine, ten football pitches. Inside the building, it's five stories high in some parts. And if you were to walk all the walkways in one day, it's approximately 12 kilometers to get you around the building to incorporate all those different walkways that you will get a chance to see later on. And it's not just a warehouse. There are other aspects to the Amazon offering in Ireland that come out of here as well, such as HR, you've got career development, you have uh, health and safety, and then there are offices dotted around too. 
Yeah, the building incorporates all the aspects required for our first 500 employees that have joined us. And I think when you're running a building of this size, it's really important that we have all the services on site. So you'll have an amazing opportunity to see later our HR teams and safety and learning development teams. They're actually based 24-7. So if it's 4 a.m. and you need to um, engage with one of these teams and support you, they're available. Um, and so you will see that as we walk around. We have large training areas. Um, we have fantastic facilities for employees of multi-faith, for example, from different faiths with multi-faith um, prayer rooms. We have an on-site health centre that's available to support um, employees such as new mothers. So all of that is really important um, because our employees come from multiple different backgrounds um, and they have multiple different needs and, and we try to satisfy those from the outset. One of the things with Amazon, a company like Amazon, is sometimes people have perceptions. They might have read headlines from other parts of the world. How important is it from the Irish operation side of things to ensure that your workforce are happy and healthy and having different opportunities that may not, you know, be aligned with what some people may have preconceived notions of? Yeah, and Jess, I fully understand your question. And I think to put it in perspective, um, I've spent the last 10 years working in a US medical firm, had a great experience, and Amazon sought to hire a local leadership team. I was one of those lucky hires. And over the last 18 months, we've been building up um, a large leadership team and hiring our employees, relocating them to parts of the UK for training them. On the, on the tour today, you're going to get to meet a lot of our graduate managers. Um, we have a lot of um, MBA graduates that have joined us as well as part of this. And all of that is focused on building that right environment. I've been involved in either manufacturing or supply chain for the last 15 years. I'm really proud of how we run this building. And I'm hoping you're going to get to see that today as we walk around as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was walking around, I saw the different bays that I'm sure the, the big lorries come up and either drop products off or get them. Once they leave the site, where do they go? Because I've seen, you know, where I live in Leopardstown, poor Amazon drivers out there all the time in one of the prime branded vans so I see him quite a lot but then I also know that sometimes in news talk Amazon parcels are will arrive in from on post so how is it distinguished between what goes into a prime van versus the postal service? Yes and on post are such a key partner to us so I think for anyone um, within Ireland and Northern Ireland your Amazon package will be delivered by either an Amazon logistics van or on post or Royal Mail also in, in Northern Ireland. And really it depends on, on where you're based. So if we have the opportunity to deliver through an Amazon logistics van, that will happen. You'll see more of that in particular areas in Ireland. But then in a lot of the um, wider areas of Ireland, you'll see on post delivering. So really it's, the system will just pick up what's the best opportunity to get that package to your home. And are, the pri- are, the, are those in the Prime branded vans, are they part of your team are they Amazon employees or are they sort of third parties in branding yeah so actually those vans leave what we call our Amazon logistics centers of which there's two based in 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 Dublin Um, and it's actually not part of the remit of this site so it's managed by a third party um, actually who who looks after the driving of those vans and delivering to the homes okay great stuff and there's a lot of excitement obviously coming up to Christmas we know Santa's going to be doing his own thing but a lot of people will be shopping online do you expect the activity on the site to ramp up over the coming weeks now yes and we're just off the back of a really good Black Friday week so I think over the last number of years Black Friday concept has grown bigger and bigger you know it used to be maybe US centric 
I think a lot of people, I certainly do, my wife certainly does, um, you start your shopping probably a little bit earlier now. So we've had a really good couple of weeks um, in relation, and busy couple of weeks in relation to Black Friday. And yes, we'll have lots of orders come through next couple of weeks. We'll have those that wake up on the 22nd December in panic, um, that they may have not sorted their mother-in-law or their wife or their partner. And um, we'll be there to support those deliveries as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, the the notion of that last minute shopper, it does lend itself well to the model that Amazon has established, particularly in the US. Uh, when I was in Seattle a few years ago, I got to go into one of the Amazon Go stores. I got to pick up my sandwich, my drink, scan and walk out the door. That efficiency is a great customer experience. We know that you know drone delivery is being utilized in some instances. Is the goal to have the, the shopping experience as seamless as possible for people living in Ireland? Yes, absolutely. And that's where, that's the core um, principle of what we have is, is that customer focus. And I think if you're asking what you will see locally, we're just starting now with this new warehouse film and development that we've placed in Dublin. And from this on, we can grow into those territory of faster delivery speeds. And you're quite right. I got the opportunity to live in Manchester for six months with Amazon and you'd same day delivery. And it's really useful at times. The weather could be really bad and you may not be able to get out. Um, but that is something that we will be building towards in, in the long term. That leads me to the question that I'm sure you're fed up being asked, but I have to, I'm contractually obliged to ask it. Is Amazon.ie on the way? So you're asking a question that I get asked probably on a daily or weekly basis. Um, not just from your own colleagues, but from many friends and family. And right now, unfortunately, I have nothing to share with you. Um, it's something that's not in, in our control. You know, our role, as you'll see today, is really to get those, those packages home to you. But if anything does come up in the future, we'll certainly let you know. Brilliant. So well, let's head outside and have a look at the main floor. Jess, welcome to the heart of our building. So we've just walked out into the middle of our building. Um, you can see to the right inside a four-story uh, part of our building and behind us is a five-story part of our building. So essentially what you're looking at here is where all our wonderful products are stowed, ready to be picked by our employees and then they come downstairs to our right inside where our main packaging area is, they get packaged and at that point then customer details get applied and shipped. We're just passing um, our learning development area, our HR area, our safety area, all of these hubs are based on the floor accessible 24-7 to our employees and right now we're in the cool part is our tech center and you'll see that at the end of our tour as well where we give an overview of, of what our tech center does to help manage our building. We're going to let Marcus our inbound manager lead us. Yes. You've got sunshine, you can see the windows that let the sun lovely. in which is beautiful. Um, this is our inbound uh, dock area. So the, uh, we've got a gatehouse outside that accepts our trucks in. We know what's coming in. We've got a schedule of them. We've got what's known as a digital twin. So we can see it on a number of computer systems that let us know from a geolocation perspective where they all are anywhere around the UK, Ireland or Europe. So we know exactly when they're coming to us. Uh, we book them in and we may decide to unload them if they're a live load or they can sit on a parking space. We've over in, in excess of 100 parking spaces on the site. Um, and then we'll schedule them in on what's known as a FIFO, which is first in, first out. Uh, we will then make a decision on a daily basis, over a 24-hour shift, how much inventory will we process. So we will make that decision, generally about a week out, that we'll have capacity to uh, inject maybe 60,000, 70,000 units into the building, etc. So we make that decision a week out, um, and then we will schedule the headcount towards that. 
just going to walk into uh, where our incoming uh, drivers come to us and if there's something we saw during the pandemic and during other times is how important uh, drivers are for any company. So obviously a lot of companies will come to us, um, a lot of different uh, haulage companies will come to us and what's really important to us is driver welfare. So when they arrive that they have a space um, to relax in as we work on the delivery that they've brought to us. So just for you to give you a quick insight. So this is our team that looks after our, our, um, our drivers in our yards and just, just to see this is actually one of our lounge areas for dedicated to those who arrive on site um, through our haulage companies. So just a space to relax, canteen services, um, areas to get refreshed. It's a nicer environment than sometimes just waiting in your, in your HGV as you're waiting to be loaded or, or unloaded. Yeah, so just to give you an idea, there are microwaves, there's tea and coffee, that all important stuff, there's vending machines with snacks, and then there is nice seated areas in a very bright and sunny room today, which is a change for normal Dublin weather, uh, which is a nice space for people just to have that bit of downtime in between commutes. Yeah, and especially the World Cup is on the moment, so a nice space to watch the World Cup as you're uh, waiting for your... Uh, for your next, your next uh, trailer to be ready as well. And we have lots of nationalities that come, come into this uh, particular facility. So the World Cup is a big hit at the moment in this particular space. Thank you. So now I think uh, Marcus has showed you how we have items arrived to our fulfillment center. The next thing we want to do is put you to work a little bit because you've arrived. And uh, we'd like to stow some of those items uh, into our, our shelves make them available for customers and um, one of our team upstairs is going to take you through that. Amazing, let's go. We will measure things, uh, there, there is a randomness but there's also a, a specificality about it as well. So certain items such as all the books are kept up here <laughs> and the purpose for that is they're easily damaged so therefore in order to give them to the customer in the manner in which they intended we protect them in this manner here. So as you would find in the library at home. Smaller items are kept in drawers because we're able to put more of those items in there. Mm -hmm. um, and the larger items including apparel will go in the larger bins here. So there is a system towards it. So Jess, now we've covered stow um, and well done on stowing your first item in our filament center. We're just moving on to our pick process. So right now this customer order is live. Karin Brady is one of our um, area managers on site today and Karin's gonna go take you through the process of picking that item for the customer before we will then go down to our pack stations and get it ready for our customer delivery. Brilliant stuff. So well, like when every picker comes in in the morning or for the start of their shift, they grab a scanner and then they log themselves in and it'll basically tell them uh, where to go. So obviously we're broken up into five different floors and then different kind of sections. Uh, everything is labelled with a number so they know exactly where to go. Um, and then like I was saying earlier, the process pad is also there. So whether it's like singles or multis or whatever, they have that as well. Basically then, uh, first thing you do is just scan a tote and then... It'll tell you the location, it'll tell you the item, there's a picture as well which can help them so if um, you know, they don't know what they're looking for just by the title they can kind of maybe compare with the picture as well. Um, so but yeah, so it's a double method of ensuring we've picked the right item. So yes we can send a barcode but also having a picture of the actual item as well for every single item that we store in our sites is really helpful to our, our employees. Yeah, because there are quite literally thousands and thousands of items in front of us. Yeah. So every little helps, right, in terms of, of getting right that, that right item. Uh, so we have to now go to a particular location and get this particular paperback for this particular customer. Yep. Awesome, let's go. Yep. 
Yeah, so obviously you, it matches up with uh, each pin um, as its own like unique identifier, mm -hmm. and then obviously that matches up with the number that's on the screen. So you find the one you're looking for, which is here. You scan the QR code, and then it'll tell you to inspect and scan the item. So the picker will find the item that they're looking for, which is this book mm -hmm. in this case. And then we do our six-sided check. So we basically have a look at the item, make sure that there's no damage um, on every side of it. And then once we're happy with it that there is no damage, then you just scan the item, and it comes up saying that the item is picked, and just to put it into your tote. And then also we then just rescan the tote so that we're sure that it's in the right tote. Because once that gets sent down to pack, if it's in the wrong tote, for example, and they scan the tote, the item's going to be missing. So in this case, it just makes sure that we have the right item and we know where it is. So Jess, now you have um, successfully stowed items for our customers. You've now picked some of your first items. And the second last step in the process is we now need to put that in a packaging that'll keep your item safe and in quality fashion until it gets to your home. So we're just going to walk into our main um, packaging hall here where we have a lot of our employees currently on our different packaging stations and we're going to set you up to uh, pack one or two items for us today. So Jess, this is Jesus who's with us. Hi. Jesus is one of our uh, instructors actually for this area. So no better person to take you through how we pack our items. So these are the two items that have been uh, picked and inducted and ribbon. And uh, the ribbon is brought to me okay. for packing. So I pick it from the ribbon and uh, I look at the screen for the system to give me instructions. So now the system says uh, this is the package that I need to pack the items. Okay. Yeah, everything is fed into the system. Very and then the system uh, actually directs us. It'll actually pick the smallest packaging type to again reduce uh, waste sustainability. So the screen will pick, it knows the actual size and weight of these items already on the system. And we know those items will fit there safely, securely, and then get, get shipped out. I, I scan the items. I pack them. And uh, the sc uh, scan spool label is already printed on the envelope. So I just have to scan it and put it on a conveyor. Okay, that and was then very it is, seamless. Yeah. And then it is processed uh, through really? the shipping. So, Jess, you've now packed your first items. Uh, and the most important thing now is to get the person's name and their address. And right now, this amazing machine in front of us is doing that. So it's pulling the order off the system. It knows we've packed it. It knows exactly where it is in our conveyor system here in front of us. And each time you see this air cushion come down, it's applying the person's name and details. And this is the only point where those, uh, where a person's name and details gets attached to a package. And as you can see, it's behind the safety cordon, not accessible to our employees. And so am I right in saying that there are bars, barcode scanners earlier on before the stickers applied to ensure that the right item is in the right location yes. and, and then the right label goes on? And not, ju and not just that. The system is so sophisticated, it's actually a weighing scale as well. And if, for example, every item that's in this fulfillment centre has a registered weight and the package that we are going to assign to it has a registered weight, and if somebody incorrectly uses the wrong package or puts the wrong item into a package, our way system will pick it up and say, there's something to be checked here. And it'll actually place it out here at the end. And it'll ask our team, can you double check that this is 
is correct because we've picked up either a weight issue or it's a different package than we expected you to put it in. And I assume they can scan the barcode and see where along the food chain something might have gone awry because yeah. everything has been scanned along the way. So out of the hundreds of thousands of items that ship every day across Amazon and millions of items across the EU, if something gets kicked out, the person can just open it, re-scan it and make sure it actually was the right item or not before it leaves our sites. So as you can see now, we're standing here and there's a, a, a solid flow of, of items passing us and um, it's label is on, address is on, and you can see no issues occurring. And there are, just again to make people understand and be appreciated, there are staff members here on hand checking any parcels that need to be checked. Also, I'm sure being on hand in case, you know, yeah. the machines need a hand or whatever Actually, it is. The person standing closest to us is our head of engineering for the site um, because this is a really important part of our site. So Loic is actually here just ensuring that the standards are being met from equipment maintenance point of view. Um, and we have one of our team members as well on standby that if a package needs to be double checked, uh, she can just double check that before it leaves. So Jess, we've now moved down to where our shipping department is. We have stowed our items, we've picked our items, we've placed our customer details on it, and now it's a case of sorting it. So at this point, all of our packages are coming down different lanes. With Peter McAvoy here, who's one of our managers, and his team are working to ensure there are packages that sorted into different lanes. Why do we have different lanes? If you're a customer in Ireland, you'll receive your Amazon package through either an Amazon delivery van or on post. So every day we're actually segregating these shipments into what areas of Ireland they need to be shipped to ahead of their final delivery from that point on. Yeah, that was my time at the Amazon Fulfillment Centre here in Dublin. It really was an eye-opening experience to see the size and the scale of the operation and obviously the tech as well. Now, when we come back here on News Talk, John Riley will join me for this year's Gaming Gift Guide. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. As ever, if you want to get in touch, you can drop me an email, techtalk at newstalk.com. On Tuesday, we did our big gadget gift guide on the Pat Kenny Show. We had gifts for everybody in the audience, starting from 15 euro right up to the notions, bits and pieces. Uh, there was plenty of questions, which was great. If you missed it, uh, you can listen back in full on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud or head to any of our social channels. Just search for at News Talk FM and you'll see little videos, the bits and pieces. You might even see me burning the hand off Pat Kenny with a Dyson Corral, which wasn't my finest moment, but look, it happens. Uh, but we're going to stick with gift guides now. And John Riley, editor of TheEffect.net, is with me for the gaming gift guide. John, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good now. I'm excited for this. Yeah. I wasn't feeling festive until Tuesday <laughs> and they made me wear a little, like an antler headband. Oh God. Now, normally I don't do that. And I said no about 17 times and they pushed me into it. Uh, but the antler headband worked and now I feel festive. It's all about the content, yeah, the Christmas content. you got to do it. you You've got to do it. Yeah. Um, so there's plenty to talk about in terms of gaming gifts. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that featured on the Pat Kenny show on Tuesday was a really good bundle from Curry's. It was a four-in-one PC gaming bundle. So it had like a gaming mouse, a gaming keyboard, the headset with the mic and a mouse mat. Oh, yeah. And stuff like that is really good because, you know, if you have that person in your life, who you know they're into gaming, yeah. you wouldn't probably be confident enough in terms of buying a title for yeah, them. Yeah, well, that's it, yeah. 
But if you know what console they're on, you can try and get accessories and yeah. bits and pieces. That's kind of what with, with the kind of when I was coming up with this guide specifically for gaming, and even though it's it's specific, it's still incredibly broad. Yeah. So like as you said, if. if Knowing ha- knowing what consoles your 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 significant other or whoever you're buying for is playing on is half the battle, and then you just kind of go down the accessories route rather than trying to say they might like this game, whereas they might already have it probably if, if yeah. you think they're going to like it, or they're just not interested. So yeah, if you get the accessories, they'll always potentially get more use and get more benefit, and they're a long term thing that you know a pair of headphones or whatever you know things are going to recommend today. Yeah, they can get much longer use, and like a game is a good gift if you know they've if they've specifically told you they want it but otherwise it's too risky yeah in a way yeah I live with someone who's very difficult to buy for because although he's a gamer yeah if he hasn't got a game there might be a specific reason why he hasn't gone yeah. for that game yeah or he might prefer an older version that he still loves so doesn't necessarily want to try the latest version or whatever like gamers are weird yeah if I if, if my girlfriend came home with a game for me that I hadn't already bought or planned to buy or didn't know about I would genuinely fall over because yeah. she knows that she'd be wasting her time or she'd have to just ask me straight out what yeah. one would you like whereas other things like nice controllers or kind of things for your phone kind of ex- gaming accessories and whatever else that's gaming related but not an actual game it's just a safer bet really. Yeah I think yeah. it's a good way to go uh, Right well let's let's go down the route of uh, some of your gift suggestions that aren't the consoles Yes and aren't gaming titles. Exactly. So these are just nice little kind of, I wouldn't say stocking fellows, but just a little kind of sideways gaming related gift that you kind of go, oh, the gamer in my life more than likely doesn't have this because it's not brand new cutting edge tech or it's just something that would help um, help their overall gaming experience. So I yeah. tried to kind of kind of go around those those kind of accessories or those gifts for, for this list. Okay, brilliant. Let's start with one that I am obsessed with instantly. It's the Pac-Man Retro Arcade Machine. Yeah, so these are cool little, again, everything's like, we're looking at the Instax, the Kodak, bringing yeah. back, you know, physical prints off of, of photos. So this is almost harking back to the days, you know, one of the first games ever made, really. The, the This little retro arcade machine. And when in terms of size, you're looking at like a piggy bank, say. Mm-hmm. So it is small, uh, but that almost adds to its cuteness. It's kind of a kind of appeal and as the name suggests it runs uh, Pac-Man on it so you've got your tiny little joystick and your two little buttons and you control the little character the famous uh, pizza shaped head and uh, you're walking around the little the, 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 the different zones against the ghosts I can't think of their names but that's like classic uh, pub quiz questions what are the ghosts in Pac-Man? Little they have ghosts. names yeah oh, the little they? ghosts yeah they do yeah right. uh, so this is uh, 60 euros so it's not going to break the bank mm. and it's a cool little kind even if people don't you know, if they play it for a bit of fun now and again even sitting on a, ga- a shelf in a, ga- in, a, in a kid's room or in a gaming room it looks the part too because it looks like a little arcade machine cabinet uh, sitting on the shelf so yeah 60 quid from three uh, three stores across you know nationwide or in 3.e yeah yeah this is it's the perfect little desk accessory yeah if you're someone who works from home or if you work in an office like mine where kind of anything goes on your, on your desk. Yeah. My desk is, at the moment, like one of the big tech retailers. There's all kinds <laughs> of gadgets there. But this, to me, is the perfect in-between calls yeah. on your yeah. desk. Have a little game of Pac-Man. And if yeah. you're someone who is super competitive and if you're into you know the mobile games of those retro games... Yeah you will absolutely Perfect. love this. The little joystick, it, it does, it responds and it's just great fun yeah. for 60 quid. Yeah, no, it's just a nice little gift, exactly. Uh, next on your list is something that I I kind of had, I, I knew somewhere in my brain that they existed, but I hadn't, I've never actually seen one. What yeah. is it? 
this so there's a, there's a few, well a lot of companies make these and they're basically called kind of controller adapters or smartphone adapters. So you would sit your phone into this, um, which would then uh, position controllers left and right of your screen when he- held in landscape mode. Mm. So think of it like a Nintendo Switch, say. So your your phone obviously becomes the screen, and this attachment which you pop your phone into becomes the controllers on either side of the screen. So it's like a big portable gaming device now that you've got dedicated. Because me personally, I'm not, I, I don't, I play the odd game on my phone, but just because of the touch screen, I just, you can only do it for so long when yeah. you're trying to tap away or play any sort of competitive game. It gets a bit hard just when you don't have that responsiveness of a physical button. Mm-hmm. So this is called the Backbone One. So it's a gaming controller for Android and iPhone. So they make it for both uh, models and you st- sit your phone into it. You get your, jo- t- you know, your dual analog sticks either side of the screen. You get your dedicated buttons. There's even a specific one for your iPhone users out there that's kind of co-developed with PlayStation. So it's an official kind of PlayStation accessory device that you sit your iPhone into. You go, you you can then access PlayStation Remote Play, which lets you play your PlayStation 4 or your PlayStation 5 anywhere really you've got Wi-Fi or data. So it kind of becomes a little portable PlayStation really. You, depend, you know, you have to have solid Wi-Fi now to do this or yeah. whatever. But it, I think it looks the part. It's 99, or sorry, 119.99, so 120 euro from GameStop or uh, playbackbone.com. And yeah, they're, they're, they're really well built as well. So they'll stand the test of time. I really like the look of this. Um, okay, next we have a headset. And again, gamers are very particular about their headsets yeah. in terms of the clarity of the mic, but also the sound quality coming yeah. into their ears as well. Yeah, no, definitely. And like there's a million of these I could have recommended, but I just know JBL that your listeners might be yes. aware of. They, you know, they're famous for their portable speakers and uh, a number of other kind of audio products. So this is the JBL Quantum 400 and it's a wired gaming headset. So some people might like, really wired in 2020. But you just kind of almost guarantee that the quality is going to be there when you're connecting directly into your PC. There's not going to be any latency in your voice. Um, It's just going to work pretty seamlessly once you connect it straight in. And this then has the boom mic or the little microphone stick that comes down to your mouth. So again, clarity is going to be right there with the microphone positioned in front of your mouth. You've got some RGB effects built in, like all modern game game, PC gamers have RGB lights everywhere. So it looks like a little fun fair in their Mm -hmm. in their office. Uh, So your headset's going to match that. And uh, yeah, look at it. it's, I've always recommended JBL products kind of just for their for their value for money because this is just 99 euro again available 3.e and it's it's as you said people are particular about what headsets they like but if you know someone is kind of in their bedroom shouting at their monitor and you're hearing everything that people are saying back to them you might want to get them a nice headset just so it becomes a little more intimate a little bit more private and just quieter for everyone in the house basically so it's a gift for them and a gift <laughs> yeah. for you yes, shut exactly. people up yeah um we mentioned about not necessarily bu- buying gaming titles but next on your list is an ideal solution that I think any gamer would be happy with. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Yeah, so we've I spoke about this. I'm like not necessarily a brand ambassador, but I'm a big, big advocate for this for the Xbox Game Pass mm-hmm. Ultimate subscription. So it's basically anyone that has an Xbox console more like more than likely has this subscription already. But if not, this is a kind of a, a, a monthly subscription that you can buy. You can buy a three month membership gift card. So it's going to set you back about thirty nine euro, say, uh, from Smiths, which and isn't bad at all. No, but like you getting access to over 100 games with this kind of for 40 quid for three months. So it's a subscription uh, service lets you access 100 games be it on the console be it on your phone via the cloud or on your PC as well. So there's multiple ways you can access these titles if you have a gaming PC or if you can stream them from the cloud as well. So it doesn't even matter if you have a um, a kind of a less powerful PC you can stream these titles online. So Mm. it's a win-win for everyone and 
for the consoles again, if you if you've an older Xbox or or an Xbox One, you can still stream titles to that console as well. So it's 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 a really clever way. Microsoft, I've, I've said it for months now on this show that they're always going to recommend, or they're always pushing to give the best. Um, the best options and uh, availability to gamers, no matter where they're gaming, yeah, they're always about getting anyone they want to game on on online or on to a service like this. So I think it's a I think it's a really good one for someone if you know they have an Xbox in the house and they're asking for this game, they're asking for that game. If you get them this this little kind of three month membership, they're going to have hundreds of games for three months, and I, I'd be I'd be surprised if they weren't happy with that. Uh, the final thing on your list is my most used tech device of 2022. I think. Wow. Yeah. So it's the Nintendo Switch. Light. So again, the Nintendo Switch came out originally in 2017. We're coming up on six years now in March. So it's around, it's been around a while. Long? Yeah. So wow. it's going to be six years old. The Light now came out a bit after the fact because it was a different variation on the what was the original Switch. So the Light, for anyone listening, is kind of a, a more cost effective, not as expensive version of the Nintendo Switch. So basically the the, the Joy-Con controllers, which click onto either side of the original Switch, are, are kind of permanently attached to this Light version. So you can't necessarily, you can't dock this console in front of your TV and play it on the big screen. Mm-hmm. This is purely portable Nintendo Switch. And I said, this is what you've been playing all year. Yeah, I love it. I I am obsessed with it. And and although I had started playing it on the on the original Switch, yeah. um, I found that after a while, because I was always playing handheld, I'd yeah. never really connected to the, to the TV. And after a while, on my little hands, it kind of gets a bit heavy. Yeah, okay. Just, it, it is... It, it, it's not a heavy device, but after, if you're playing for hours yeah, on yeah, end, yeah. you can kind of feel it. The light is light by name, light by nature. <laughs> it is incredibly light. It is super portable. The battery life on it is very, very good. The screen clarity is great. Yeah, it's perfect for the games you're playing because it's only, it's a, I think a seven inch display and it's 720p and you're like, oh, but that, that you don't need any higher. No, Your eyes you can't see it. Yeah, you, you genuinely don't. And, you know, my boyfriend has the OLED version, the yeah, Ocean's one. Nice one, yeah. And... It, uh, he appreciates yeah. the bigger screen and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But for the games that I'm playing, I 100% don't need it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just don't. And I think the the titles available for Switch are great. So if you have someone who is getting into gaming, so if you've got a young person in the house who's maybe looking for something from Santa, yeah. this could be a great way for them to get into gaming. It's a really good yeah, entry point, yeah. But also if you're an older, like if you're someone like me who used to play a lot of games kind of grew up a little bit and now is sort of dipping the toe yeah. back into the world of gaming. I think it's great because it has all the Mario titles, yeah. all of that kind of stuff is is within that Nintendo yeah. world. Yeah. I just, like, you can probably tell I love it. Yeah, €240. Euro. It's probably the cheapest of all the kind of modern in inverted commas consoles. So, like, it's the it's the easiest access point. And as you said, it has those iconic titles that you just can't get anywhere else. The Marios, the Animal Crossings, the uh, Legends of Zelda, like games that just are stand the test of time, incredibly well-developed, incre- incredibly well-made. And, like, any gamer worth their soul kind of gets stuck into the Nintendo titles too because they're so specifically kind of well done that you kind of have to buy a Switch to play them. Yeah, the, it's oh, I can highly, highly recommend the Nintendo Switch Lite. I absolutely love it. Uh, so that is the Gaming Gift Guide 2022 by John Riley of TheEffect.net. I'm sure there is plenty more inspiration for people over on TheEffect.net as well as gaming titles. So if you're brave enough to buy a game for someone, uh, you can go over to TheEffect.net and you will see reviews of all the big titles from this year. Uh, John, hopefully you'll be back before Christmas with more recommendations we might go through as well the best games of 2022 just to give you some food for thought Uh, but for the moment John thanks so much cheers Jess Tech Talk with Jess Kelly 
Welcome back to the final part of this week's Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Now, we often speak about mobility on this show, be that EVs or electric scooters. But we're now going to have a wider conversation about the future of personal transport in Ireland. Ashing Dunn is the head of policy at Bolt and she joins me now. Ashing, you're very welcome back to Tech Talk. Every time we speak, uh, we are talking about innovation and driving things forward in terms of transport in our cities. And one thing I was eager to talk to you about was looking a little bit more to the future and getting away from owning private cars. Are we far from a time where we have, you know, widespread availability of vehicle sharing? Yeah, good question, Jess. I I suppose, um, unfortunately, Ireland... um, is sort of lagging behind in this move away from owning their own vehicle. Um, Research carried out on behalf of the European Commission um, uh, revealed that Irish people have the second highest level of car dependency among EU citizens, with 76% taking a car journey every day. I mean, only Cypriots are worse uh, with a 85% rate but it's definitely something that is deeply ingrained i think in the irish psyche uh, you know learning to drive owning their own vehicle and um, you know we we undertook research with an independent organization banks insights and found that cars are um 77 of owners can't see a way out of ownership of their own private vehicle in the next five years despite wanting to so there is a willingness there but there certainly feels like car owners in Ireland have a high rate of dependency on them. Yeah, and, you know, we know that we have sustainability targets to to meet. We know that there are options in terms of EVs and so on. But moving away from that dependency on an own car would be transformational. From the the work that you've done and the research that, that you guys have done, are there ways that we could facilitate a better model um, and a move away from everybody having to have their own car. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, the Irish government has really ambitious targets at the moment, uh, which we, we support. And there are, you know, a few different approaches. I think the OECD uh, came out with a report last month as well into Irish transport system and found that, you know, there is a really high level of car dependency and that a move from, uh, diesel and um, petrol vehicles to electric vehicles doesn't solve all our problems. So it's not just about making everyone owning their own vehicle and those being more sustainable vehicles. It's about innovations and ways that we can reduce the number of private vehicles. So part of that is uh, shared mobility, whether that is uh, shared bikes, e-bikes, e-scooters, or cars as well. And and I think that's where operators such as Bolt play a really important role in adding to um, public transport to provide people with the full network of options. That mean they don't have to own their own private vehicle and yet will still be able to do the things they want to do and get where they need to go. Yeah, I think the fear factor for some of my friends that I've spoken to the worry sometimes is that if they don't have their own vehicle, but they have family that live in a different part of the country. So say if they're living in Dublin, but they have friends or, or family living in Cork or Donegal and they need to get there at lastminute.com, that the supply will be there to ensure that they can make the journeys that they need to make without them having to plan four or five days in advance. Is that something that is realistic? 
It is, but for it to happen, there needs to be a significant um, shift in mentality, both from users and also from cities. So um, we have car sharing in Ireland. We have it at a much lower rate than probably most other European countries. And I think it is still considered somewhat niche, um, whereas other European countries have really leaned in and embraced it. So, for example, uh, we launched Bolt Drive, which is our car sharing um, option service uh, last year in Tallinn and it now provides you with the facility to start your journey in one part of Estonia in Tallinn and finish it in another city within Estonia and you can reserve it with 10-15 minutes to go you can pay per minute per hour per day um, and you can start in one location and finish it another and then enjoy your time in in that city and then a few days later when you decide you want to leave again and pick up a boat drive vehicle and go back the opposite direction or perhaps get the train back or get a lift or get a bus. So providing that level of flexibility is, um, I think, going to be a real game changer um, for that shared mobility mentality that we really need people to adopt. But, uh, you know, the services need to be made available and, and cities need to be open to those kind of different approaches to shared mobility. What happens to the cars when they're not in use? So say in one of my examples, I have to go down to Skipperine, so but I want to get the train back or a friend is giving me a lift back. So I want to drive from Dublin to Skipperine. You know, do we need to change how we think and approach the notion of parking and how we use parking lots and the facilities that they offer? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, so when you say what happens to the car when it's not in use, um, most private vehicles owned by individuals are left idle 95% of the time. So, um, you know, that's just the nature of people use their car for the specific journeys they need. Uh, unfortunately, that tends to be, you know, most days, but it might be for a very short period of time. And then the cars are clogging up our cities using parking. Um, the value of a car sharing vehicle is our research has shown it takes away 20 private vehicles. So um, it will either be in use or for a much smaller proportion of the time, it will be using a parking. Therefore, you need less parking, more space available in our cities and towns for, you know, more enjoyable uh, public realm uses, outdoor cafes, parks, that kind of thing. Um, in terms of how we use parking and, and how we think differently about it. What we are, are hoping to see and, and pushing for is that councils are open to operators such as Bolt, you know, paying a, a monthly fee or a yearly fee for their vehicles to be able to park in kind of public car parking spaces. And that can be both in Dublin City Council, but it might also be in Cork City Council or Cork uh, County Council areas. Uh, and to have that flexibility means that the vehicles can be used, you know, in that scenario that you, you outlined. Um, unfortunately, we're up against the clock. Before I let you go, you mentioned taxis there. We're in Christmas party season. Uh, how is Bolt prepared for that? And are you facing similar issues to what other uh, taxi providers have seen in recent weeks in terms of very, very high demand and not a whole lot of supply? Yeah, I, I mean, 
Like the, the Irish ta- taxi market has undergone um, a constriction in recent years, going down from, I think, 29,000 drivers to, sorry, 27,000 drivers to about 19,000 drivers uh, this year. The NTA is running a recruitment drive and trying to encourage more people to either come back into the industry or to to, to join. Um, I think we probably need to have a larger conversation about how else we can incentivize more drivers into the market um, to try and serve that demand. Uh, Taxis play a critical role in our public transport offering. And unless people have confidence that they will be able to uh, hail a car and and take a journey uh, when they need it, it, it again acts as another barrier to people giving up their private vehicle. So you need to have that range of solutions. You need to have reliable public transport. You need to have reliable um, t- taxi services. You need to have car sharing uh, and you need to have shared individual mobility offerings like e-bikes, bikes and scooters. And it's only when all of those are functioning well that people can really make that move away from cars. So sorry, but that's back to my other point. But I suppose, the yes, Christmas is going to be very difficult. I don't think we have enough supply. I fear it will have an impact on people's decisions around socializing, getting out into our cities and towns, enjoying themselves in the run up to Christmas in what is what feels like the first kind of normal um free Christmas in in many years and and I fear our supply will curtail that uh, and that's being experienced across all the different operators um all right Ashingdon uh, head of public policy at Bald it's a pleasure to talk to you as always thanks so much for joining us here on News Talk and that's it for this week's Tech Talk if you missed any of the show you can listen back in full on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud I'll be back with Shane and Kira on Monday's News Talk Breakfast but in the meantime have a good weekend